The following is a rebroadcast of Stratford University's Tech Talk. To hear Tech Talk live, tune in Saturday mornings at 9. You can find us on the radio on 1500 AM, 104.5 FM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, and 107.7 FM HD 2. Or you can listen live online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And it's been, as usual, a very busy week in technology. The controversy over social media censorship just rages on and on and on. So we're going to feature in Observations in the Bunker today, First Amendment Rights versus Censorship. Um, How does Twitter make its money? We're also going to feature, by the way, Jack Dorsey, who was the founder of Twitter. I thought we'd see the man behind the the big controversy over Twitter. And uh, we'll talk about how he started uh, Twitter. And uh, and I'm I'm kind of curious how Twitter makes its own makes its money um, because do they make I don't money? think they make money off of President Trump with his tweets, but they do find a way to make money. They do. I, they, have they yet to turn a profit though? Uh, well, they're, they they're valued at twelve billion dollars. Mm-hmm. They have revenues around two point eight billion a year, but I'm I don't know if they're actually profitable yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jack Dorsey's uh, focus is not on making money. Clearly. Tip of the week, we're going to say why you should never take a Facebook quiz. You're just setting yourself up for all kinds of problems. And then, of course, should you upgrade to the iPhone 12? What what features does it have that are worth going after? And, uh, you know, and finally, we're going to talk about how to protect your laptop privacy when you take the laptop in for repairs so you won't be huntered. <laughs> some people won't get that. That's right. <laughs> because some people aren't talking about that. Some people aren't talking about it. That's exactly uh-huh. right. Well, you'll, under, you'll understand what that means when we get to the story. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Yes, we got an email from Kathy in Boulder. I hope you can help me. I dropped the book on my keyboard, and oh. something happened to my screen. Now, whenever I visit the website, a website in Firefox, the screen letters are so tiny that I can barely read them. How can I get them back to normal size? Everything else is fine when I use Edge, but I really prefer using Firefox, Kathy and Boulder. Well, uh, Kathy, it's uh, hard to visualize exactly what keys your <laughs> your um, – <laughs> Your book hit when it dropped on your on your uh, on your uh, on your keyboard, but apparently you did something which changed the uh, the zoom setting on your browser. Yeah. And your browser remembers the last zoom setting that it had, so every time you go back to using that browser, it'll be zoomed in exactly the way it is. But it's very easy to fix it. You just simply adjust the zoom. Now here's how to go: open up your Firefox and visit the web page. Visit a web page with normal size text on it, 
and then hold the control key down while pressing the plus key. And every time you press the plus key, the text will get bigger. And then if, now if you get too big, you can hit control key and then the minus key and it will go smaller. You can also use the mouse. You can simply hold down the control key and then you can turn the wheel of your mouse and you can make the text bigger or smaller. That's it. As soon as you set the zoom to the way you like it, it'll stick. Because remember, your browser will come back to the same, when you use it again, it will be in the same state as you left it. So you will have fixed your zoom permanently until you drop the next book. So best of luck with that, Kathy. We got an email from Hawk and Bowie. You have several, we, we have an a email from Hawk and Bowie. We're having a family Zoom event for Halloween. And I'd like to project the Zoom meeting on the big screen TV so we can just sit in the family room and talk via Zoom. What are my options? I've got an iPhone and a Roku player hmm. on the TV. Well, you've got several options for projecting a Zoom meeting from your smartphone. Now, the easiest way is just to mirror the screen to your TV, your smartphone screen to the TV. Now, fortunately, since you've got a Roku streaming device, that has mirroring function built right in Roku. So you can simply mirror the screen on your iPhone using the Roku screen, uh, streaming function, and then you'll see what is ever on your iPhone will be on the big screen. Once you... Uh, once you have mirrored your, uh, your iPhone, you can simply uh, log into the Zoom meeting, and then you'll see the Zoom meeting on the big screen TV. However, the camera is still going to be in your iPhone. So what I would recommend is you take it, so maybe some double-sided tape and just stick the iPhone <laughs> right below the, uh, the TV screen right. and point it out. Right, and then you can simply sit in front of your uh, of your uh, of your iPhone. It's pointed out to you, held onto the wall, and you can watch the Zoom meeting right from the big screen TV. Now, by the way, if you've got if you've got Apple TV, you can also stream directly with Apple TV. That's what I've got at home. I use Apple TV, and I can mirror a device with my Apple TV. If you've got an Android phone, you can use a Chromecast streaming stick. Uh, you could also use, uh, you know, Roku also works for the Android. Now, some people would like to mirror the Zoom meeting with their laptop. So you can do that. What you have to do in that case, because it's kind of inconvenient to stick the laptop on the wall, I'd recommend getting a USB webcam. And you can simply position the webcam either above your TV screen looking down on the audience or below the TV screen, plug it into your laptop. And then to get the uh, screen mirroring, you could, you could use an HDMI cable, and you could just plug it into the TV, and then, and then you can just basically mirror your, uh, your screen using the HDMI cable. That might be the, the easiest way to go. Uh, there's all, there are also options where if you, use, if you have Chromecast, you could actually mirror the screen uh, using Chromecast from your laptop. You simply uh, you know, open the Chrome browser, and then you can, you can mirror the screen. So... You do have many options there, but I think you're bet since you've got an iPhone and Roku, I think you're set up and ready to go. Best of luck with that, Hawk. We got an email from Bob in Maryland. Dear Doc and Jim, and the scintillating Mr. Big Voice. I sometimes use the Swedish the Swedish Opera browser, but I've never heard of the Bork edition of Opera. Huh? This is amusing. <laughs> 
I just thought I'd run it by you, Doctor, if it really did happen or not. Uh, I just wondered about it. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Your faithful listener, Bob in Maryland. Well, Bob, thanks for the reminder of days gone by. Actually, there was a Bork edition of the opera release. You know, but I've never heard of a Swedish opera, you know. Uh, yeah. It's like a German you know, jazz band. It's a browser made in Sweden, so it's named Opera. That's, I don't know. Anyway, in, in, if you remember, 2003 goes back to the web wars. And Microsoft, Internet Explorer, they were trying to get everybody to use Internet Explorer. So what they did, if you went to the Microsoft, if you went to MSN, uh, the, the MSN.com, uh, Microsoft, was that Microsoft Network, and you go to MSN, they would uh, redirect you to a page and say that this web page cannot be viewed properly unless you're using Internet Explorer. So if you try to look at msn.com without Internet Explorer, you, you'd, go, you'd go to this web page. And they, and they sort of, you know, many people thought they doctored up the web page so it wouldn't look right in other browsers. So what Opera did, they, they, they actually, in order to poke fun at this, they released the Bork version of Opera so whenever you would go to msn.com, a completely different uh, page would show up. It would be a page that was narrated by the Swedish chef of the Muppets. <laughs> and, uh, and it would be written in almost incomprehensible dialect that the Swedish chef used. He was, a, he was a, a, of Muppets fame. Bork, bork, bork. That's right. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so they, um, they, uh, you know, they continued to do this kind of a joke, and they were making fun of the uh, of the attempt of what Microsoft did back in two thousand and one. Now, actually, actually, this this brings up a very important point. And then they, they they put down something at the bottom of the page that was very significant. They said, "Okay, this this is a joke. We're trying to make an important point." The MSN site is actually was actually sending Opera users uh, uh, to, an, to an intentionally distorted page. The Bork edition illustrates how browsers could also distort content, just as the Bork edition does. The real point here is that the web depends on software and website developers behaving well, rising above corporate rivalry, and using standards. If we have standards on the web, everybody's happy. So... It was kind of a joke browser, but they were making a very serious point. Thanks for that reminder, Bob. I, I sort of enjoyed going back through memory lane. We got an email from Jim in Bowie. Dear Tech Talk, I'd like to post an occasional political post on Facebook. Don't. <laughs> Stay away. And, uh, however, I do not want to create stressful situations with friends who do not like to discuss politics at all. Is it possible to do one and not do the other? I don't well, think so. Well, I'm going to give him some advice. Okay. Is there a way to direct my comments to only those friends who want to participate in this kind of discussion? I mean, I have some friends who may not even agree with me politically, but we have very civil and useful conversations. I just don't like the, uh, the blowtorches out there that just come back with all sorts of rants and rages. How can I post politics and discuss with the friends that actually will discuss it without irritating all the friends who either hate politics 
or are going to flame out on me, Jim and Bowie. <laughs> well, Jim, there's a very simple way to post about politics or another topic on that matter without your non-political friends ever having to see those posts. All you have to do is create a customs friends list, a customs friend list, and just put all your friends who enjoy discussing politics, whatever the topic may be, and publish your political post to that custom list. Now, here's how to set it up. Log into Facebook, visit the news feed page, click on the friends list associated with, uh, you know, located on the left-hand column, and then click on create list button, type the name of the list. For instance, you might name it political friends. And then after that, type the, you know, list, list all the, me the, all the friends who you want to be members of that group. After you're finished entering all those friends into that group, you simply sit create, and you've created that button. And now what you do, whenever you want to make a post, you simply make your post, and then there's something called a, a privacy setting on the post. Click the privacy setting, and then click on audience selector, and then select political friends from your custom lists. And once you've done that, hit send, and it will only go to those friends, and nobody else will see it. And uh, that way, you can you can actually uh, have civil conversations if you want. Now, my preference would be to not do that at all. But if, <laughs> yes. If, <laughs> it's best but, these days to keep it to yourself, isn't it's it? It's really best. But but if you want, but if you want to live dangerously, Jim, <laughs> that's a way to walk the tight wire without falling into the deep pit of controversy. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> we got an email from Donald in Fort Lauderdale. Dear Doc and Jim, I was just um, I was just uh, let me see. Uh, here we go. Oh, yeah, I just dropped my Android phone. Whoa. Uh -oh. And it shattered the screen. Oh. Wow. That's an expensive thing. Now, I've got a problem. I can't touch the screen and do anything with the phone. I mean, it still it turns on, but I can't use it. I can't back it up. Uh, is there any way that I can act that I can interact with my phone and just simply bypass the screen? Well, uh, Don, there's a, there's a very simple way to do it, uh, which you're going to have to get a, a plug adapter. What you need is a plug that goes into the adapter on your Android, and your Android has a USB-C connector, male. So you need a USB-C connector, male, and at the other side, you need a USB-A female. That's, that's a standard USB plug that, say, goes into your computer. So you need a USB-A plug, female. And, and those are very simple adapters. You can just go to, go to um, Amazon and put in USB-C to USB-A adapter, and, and you'll get it. Now, by the way, if, it, if you've got an iPhone, you'd have a lightning to USB-A adapter. Um, now then what you do, once you plug that adapter in your phone, you've got that USB-A plug, and then you just take a mouse with a wire, a USB mouse, and plug it into that USB-A plug. Ah. And the iPhone will recognize the mouse. And you can go around and you can use your mouse to activate your iPhone. It's a great without idea. Without a problem. And, and you can go in there and you can back up your you can back up the system. So your mouse and you click on your mouse at different places on the screen. It's like touching the screen. Without now, getting shards of I glass mean, in your fingers. That's right. Yeah. Now there's another trick you can do. I mean, if you if you have like a USB hub, 
you could plug in a keyboard and the iPhone will recognize your keyboard. So you could sit there and create documents. <clears throat> I mean, I, that, that occurred to me. You know, have you ever been at a time you got to create a long document yeah. and you don't have your laptop and you're sitting there trying to punch it in the iPhone? It, with this trick, you could actually plug a keyboard into your iPhone and you could type the whole document. And you, but you'd have to pl- you have to plug the iPhone into the USB hub too, right? Well, the uh, no, the, the no, the the adapter pl- is plugged into the iPhone, mm-hmm. and then the oh yeah, then the adapter itself is is plug the the USB plug plugs into the adapter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the the iPhone goes to the adapter that goes from you you know Lightning USB A, then you plug the USB uh, hub into the adapter and then all the other things plug into the uh, the hub itself so so you could you could plug both a mouse and a keyboard into the hub exactly and and you then could, you could plug them both in how about a wireless situation could you do that will an iphone recognize that you could do that you, you could have another wireless yeah it, it it it's just like another computer yeah i've never thought of a wireless but you could do that if you wanted another Another I guess you could only connection. do one because you'd have to do it on Bluetooth, right? Yeah. And you could only do one one device at a time. Well, I uh, I don't I don't know why you would, if you'd want to do wireless uh, for that, but but that is actually kind of an interesting uh, actually actually I, I didn't really know you could do that till I started researching this out this weekend, and uh, and then I tried it out here and it. It worked. I, I didn't do idea. the keyboard though. I just did the, uh, the mouse. I just did the uh, I just did the mouse. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning. This is Tech Talk Radio on heard on Federal News Network. Fifteen hundred AM, one oh three five FM HD two, one oh three nine FM HD two. Now southwest of DC on one oh seven seven FM HD two and in Loudoun County on one oh four point five FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Jack Patrick Dorsey. Jack Patrick Dorsey is a technology entrepreneur best known as co-founder and CEO of Twitter and co-founder and CEO of Square the financial payments company. Dorsey was born November 19, 1976 in St. Louis, Missouri. He attended the Catholic high school Bishop de Burg. Now, in his younger days, he was actually paid as a fashion model, and he would go out and do fashion modeling. And he was always quite the dresser. He is, still is quite the dresser, actually. Uh, by, but by age 14, his interest had shifted out of modeling, <laughs> uh-huh. and he got interested in writing code. That's quite and a transition. Was, yeah, and so then he started writing code for dispatch routing. What he wanted to do, he was interested in you know dispatch routing for taxi cabs, for trucks. I don't know how he got interested in it, but at 14, he was writing dispatch routing code, and he released his software that he wrote uh, as open source software and some of that open source software is still being used in dispatch logistics code by current cab companies and truck companies. Uh, He went on to attend the University of Missouri at Rolla, Missouri. He went there two years plus and then he transferred to NYU, New New York University. But he dropped out in 1999 when he was one semester short of graduating. This is sort of a theme for all these Silicon Valley guys. They never make it through college. Um, After he dropped out, he started playing around with his dispatch software again. And he started a company. He moved out actually to Oakland, uh, California. And and he started writing. uh, writing. He he took his dispatch software that he'd written when he was 14. And he started a company. And, and he was going to use this. It was providing a dispatch service for couriers, for taxis, for emergency servers, all web-based. Uh, now, in July of 2000, he was working on his dispatching uh, software, and he was really inspired by the AOL Instant Messenger. And so he had an idea. He said, well, why couldn't I use a web-based system so people give short status updates of of what they were doing as kind of a short message communication service. So he started thinking about that. And he went to Odeo, which was a, a which was one of the uh, early social media sites. And he pitched that idea to them. And it turned out that uh, that Evan Williams, who was one of the co-founders of Odeo, sort of liked the idea. And but uh, Odeo was interested at that time in text messaging. So Dorsey and his friend Biz Stone decided to write an SMS text system suited for status messaging. They built the prototype for Twitter in only two weeks. Wow. This is also kind of common. You know, people get an idea and they and they just implement it in a couple of weeks. So they built the prototype for, for Twitter in a couple of weeks. So they launched it. And uh, and they launched it within the Odeo community, and it just took off like a shot. It attracted many, many, many Odeo users. So in 2005, Evan Williams, who was a co-founder of Odeo, he provided angel financing. 
And so Stone, Williams, and Noah Glass co-founded a company called the Obvious Corporation, which then spun out Twitter as a standalone company. And Dorsey was the chief executive officer of Twitty, Twitter. And, and, and so then he was off and running. Now, as CEO of Twitter, Dorsey saw the startup through two rounds of VC financing, VC financing, and the service began to grow in great popularity. Now, Dorsey just did not focus on money. He focused on improving uptime as a top priority, even over revenue. He said his guiding principle in building Twitter was simplicity, constraint, and craftsmanship. <laughs> now, sorry. <laughs> Have you but looked not at Twitter money, lately? But not money. <laughs> Have you looked at Twitter lately? Oh my! Uh, it's it has issues. I think they're they're uh -huh. a little rough around the edges recently. Craftsmanship. Now by by 2008, uh, they fired they fired him from Twitter. They 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 they, they fired him from Twitter. Now now they they fired Jack Dorsey from Twitter because he just didn't care whether Twitter made any money, and they had all these investors. And they weren't making a penny in 2008. And the problem is, he was leaving work early to do yoga and to work on his fashion design. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got back into this fashion modeling deal. So they got into fashion design. And they said, come on. Come on, Jack. We're losing money at this thing. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's, you Focus. Know, it's leaking, leaking like a sieve. Focus, and you're man. off doing yoga and fashion design and nobody's, nobody's running the ship. So William took over as CEO of, uh, of Twitter. And, uh, and so then, uh, and then they hired Dick Costolo and then, uh, then they lay Then in 2011, um, they, you know, they, they decided Williams couldn't do it. So then they brought in Dick Costolo as CEO, and uh, and when they changed the uh, CEO to Dick Costolo, um, uh, Evans Dorsey came back as the um, as the um, as the executive chairman. So he decided he'd get involved with Twitter again because they still weren't making that much money. Mm -hmm. Now in 2015, uh, Costello resigned as CEO, and then Dorsey assumed the post back in 2015. And he was named permanent CEO on October 5th, 2015. So then he was back in the seat. Permanent? Until yeah, they fire him again. CEO, and he's still CEO of Twitter. Now on, uh, in, but Twitter was not really growing. They were pretty flat. So in 2016, he, he wanted to find a way to attract, you know, younger people. So he, they decided to allow photos and, and links in the posts. And those photos and links would not count against the 140 character limit. So you could actually post a photo or post a link, and 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 they wanted to actually you know attract more users. Now in 2018, he announced an improved version of verification system, so you could verify who you were, because they they had people who were impersonating you know celebrities yeah. and they really weren't the real celebrity. So they they wanted you you know that you had to prove that you could do that. Now on November 22nd of 2019, he announced that Twitter would ban all political advertising, and this. This applied globally to all political campaigns. He was, uh, uh, you know, trying to 
trying to look like he was apolitical, but actually they were not so apolitical if you look at how they do the censorship. Now, in October of 2020, Dorsey was one of the several tech CEOs subpoenaed by the U.S. Senate about the legal immunity of tech, that the legal immunity that tech platforms receive under Section 230 of the Communications Act of 1934. Now, in parallel to Twitter, he started an entirely different company. In May of 2010, Dorsey and Jack McKelvey released a small business platform that would accept debit and credit card payments on mobile devices called Square. You've probably seen this. They've got, they've got a, little, a little Square device plugged into the bottom of the phone, and they'll swipe your credit card through it. So a lot of places use that because uh, they don't, you know, they, they don't have these big credit card machines. And, uh, and that just took like, like a shot. Now, Square also had a system for sending paperless receipts via text message or email so you can get your receipts from the transaction. Now, in 2009, the company had 10 employees. By 2011, they had over 100. Now, the Square's office is in Market Square, San Francisco. And in 2012, the Business Insider magazine valued Square at $3.2 billion, mm. which is not bad. And no. Dorsey, you know, Dorsey had a, you know, a major share of that. He owns like 24% of Twitter, by the way, and it's valued at, you know, at $12 billion. Now, <clears throat> Dorsey uh, filed for an IPO at Square in October of 2015, and that was a big payday for him. Oh, no, at the time they filed the IPO for Square, he had 24.4% of Square. Ah. Now, now, Dorsey has a kind of a happy-go-lucky life. Now, in 2012, <laughs> he moved into the Seacliff neighborhood of San Francisco. Get this. He walks... Five miles a day. Wow. Can you imagine? Five miles a day to and from work. He said it clears his time. Now, he also... Clears his mind, takes, probably. Clears his mind, yeah. Oh, yeah, clears clears his mind, not his time. Clears for, yeah, clearing time. It's oh, he take, also... got to take an hour to do that, don't you think? Yeah, five miles, yeah. Mm -hmm. day, an hour, yeah, like a... I would take an hour because if you walk at just... Uh, a fast pace, but not a super fast. You four miles an hour is kind of an average walking speed at a mm -hmm. fast clip. So he could do it in an hour if he had really just, you know, be a very trucking. fast clip. Yeah. Yeah. Now he also believes in taking ice baths. He takes an <laughs> <What>? ice <laughs> bath every day. <laughs> and he went out to India on one of these retreats where you can't talk. For 10 days. Interesting. And then you just meditate. Hmm. So he is living a very, in one way, a very austere life. Uh, but, but on the other hand, he lives in a mansion. Yes. He drives fast cars. Right. And he dates models. Yes. Okay. And he's known as one of the most eligible bachelors in, in, um, in, in, uh, in San Francisco. He was a male model after all. Yes, right. He was a male model. He, he could dress the part. I mean, you know, I didn't, I, you made that connection. He was a male model. So of course he's attracted to models. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Well, that, and that's, you know, good looking guy. Yeah, he was, he was, if in, I can say that. He was named in uh, 2008 to the MIT Technology Review TR35 
those are the top 35 innovators under the age of 35. The Wall Street Journal gave him the Innovator of the Year Award for technology in 2012. So there you go, Jack Dorsey. He's a man who lives the life that he wants to live, and he's started two pretty successful companies. Yep. Hope you're paying attention to what Doc just had to talk about, about Jack Dorsey, because that knowledge can be translated into free food when we play the pop quiz coming up on Tech Talk Radio. Heard on Federal News Network every Saturday at 9. 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, now south of west of Washington on 107.7 FM HD2. In Loudoun County, you can hear us on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They have uh, all in unison sat down before you asked them to. I really enjoy this virtual audience. You know, they, uh, they really can fit the bill. Yeah. This is not simply just a, um, a radio show. It's a classroom of the airways. And right. we have to assess whether our class has been listening to the show. And we do that with a pop quiz. It's not just if listening. Get, it's retention. It's retention, yes. And, and so if you get the correct answer to the pop quiz, you'll get an A-plus for today's session. And you'll also get tickets to one of the fine dining classrooms that Stratford University has as soon as we get through this pandemic. Now, earlier in the show, I talked about Jack... Dorsey. He, of course, is co-founder of Twitter and co-founder of Square, the financial payments company. Now, he's a man that just lives the life that he wants to live. He takes an ice bath every day, and he also walks to work. Now, this is the question. How far does he walk to work? 
Now's your chance to show us just how smart you are. If you know the answer to the question, pick up your device, give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, 877-936-9333. If you're knee-deep in fish scales east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, call us at 877-936-9333. If you're trying to delete your last tweet in Canada, call us on the wildcard line. 877-936-9333. Anyone else, anywhere else may call us on the international line. It's disinfected every 14 minutes with Clorox bleach injections. 877-9-3639-333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. Okay, let's take the tip of the week. Never participate in a quiz on Facebook. You've probably good. seen these quizzes show up oh, on your yeah. news feed. Yeah. Now, there are many variations like, what is your spirit animal? Oh, God. <laughs> or that, what that celebrity me... do you look like? Close it out immediately. Yeah. Now, these posts uh, can seem like they're nothing more than a bit of innocent fun, but the truth is they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Many of the quizzes require you to enable an app in order to participate in the quiz. Now, once you enable the app and accept its permissions... It will then proceed to mine your Facebook account, steal your personal information, your photos, and even your a digital copy of your friends list. The app or the scammer behind it will then use the stolen information to do all the kind of things that they, they like to do in the background. Well, for instance, they might use the information mined from your account, which would be your real name, your mailing address, your phone number, your birth date, to steal your identity. They might create a fake clone Facebook account in your name. They might use the fake account to perpetrate various scams to all the people on your friends list. They might install malicious apps on your account that you won't even know about. And and those malicious apps will make posts as though you had made them. And some of the posts are revenue-generating posts that are scams in themselves. They might write posts to your timeline and make it appear that they've written them, that they've been written by you. They might send fraudulent and dangerous instant messages to your Facebook friends. So, an invitation to participate in a quiz in your newsfeed should simply be eliminated by deletion and don't interact with it at all. There you go. All right, Doc, we've got somebody who'd like to play the game today. Let's go to line one. We're talking to MC calling us from Silver Spring. Good morning, MC. How are you? Yeah, all is well, Jim. Thank you for all you do. Oh, I, uh, I really don't do much of anything, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> earlier, earlier in the show, we talked about Jack Dorsey, co-founder of Twitter, and he walks to work every day. How far does he walk to work? He walks five miles a day. Excellent. That, that is correct. Very good, MC. Hang on a second here. We're going to send you back to Andrew. He'll take your information, and we'll send you the prize. It is Saturday morning. This is Tech Talk, heard on Federal News Radio, or rather Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2, southwest of D.C. Now we're on 107.7 FM HD 2, and in Loudoun County, 104.5 FM. Learn more about the programs at Stratford University by going to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Observations from the bunker. You know, it's time to replace the weather stripping on the door, isn't it? Oh, wait a minute, sorry about that. What better time to talk about First Amendment versus censorship? It just goes with the sounds of the bunker. Mm -hmm. Now, the the now-retired Supreme Court Justice, Anthony Kennedy, in an opinion in 2007 on a First Amendment case, called the cyber age a revolution of historic proportions. He noted that we cannot appreciate yet its full dimensions and vast potential to alter how we think, express ourselves, and define who we want to be. Kennedy said cyberspace and social media in particular were among the most important places for the exchange of views. He compared the internet to a public forum akin to a public street or a park. He went on to conclude that the public forum doctrine should not remain frozen in time where it just limits protecting public squares and public parks, but that we should extend it to new forums that are created by these new forms of communication on the Internet. Now, the battleground about free speech, including attempts at censorship by government actors um, in social media, the shifting standards of private platforms to censor online condition uh, expression and the rise of hate and extremist speech in the digital world have created huge challenges. These all must be addressed and we must rethink how we're going to organize it. And I don't think we have the, ans- the correct answer yet. Now, but, we, but there are areas where we, where we really do agree. For instance, government censoring, government blocking. We all agree that a government official should never be able to block or remove critical comments online. That violates a core First Amendment principle, that individuals have a right to criticize the government. If we would allow that to happen, we'd be like China or North Korea or Iran. So we we actually agree on that. In the area of private censorship, private censorship has arisen through Facebook and Twitter. It comes from social media companies that are trying to police the content of 
that conform to their own terms of service, which whatever they may be. Now, the question is, do these activities stifle free speech and how can they be regulated? Now, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 uh, basically said they're a platform, they're a neutral platform, and they cannot be sued for any reason at all uh, be, uh, by what people, third-party individuals, post on their platform. But what has happened, because of their terms of service agreement, these companies like Facebook and Twitter and Google, they've actually become editors. Where they're editoring, they're, they're providing editorial um, input on what can be posted and what cannot be posted. And that violates the core idea of Section 230. So I think in the area of private censorship, we must review Section 230 so that these platforms are accountable for decisions they make if they decide to censor one person or another. And if they do it improperly, they should be subject to civil litigation. Now, the final area we've got to decide on is policing hate-filled content. I mean, we all agree that you don't want to have child pornography, you don't want to have people, threats of violence. Now, what has happened is that these platforms, they have now called political opinions that they disagree with hate-filled speech because, well, they disagree with it. Yeah. So they've extended the definition of hate-filled speech. So I think we must, with, with sort of razor clarity, define what falls in this category, you know, child pornography, you, you threaten someone with actual violence. There, there must be very specific things. But simply having an opinion cannot be cannot fall in that category. So I think these categories, particularly in the area of private censorship and the definition of hate-filled speech, we've got to basically go through and rethink it. And I think it's going to take government intervention. And I'm not a big government intervention guy because usually when government intervenes, they screw it up. But I think in this case, government's got to intervene because this is such an important part of our communication fabric that I think we have to get it right. And at this point, I, it just doesn't feel like it is right. Yeah. Hey, let's take a quick break. Okay. This is Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Network. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, southwest of the nation's capital on 1077 FM HD2. In Loudoun County, you can hear us on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford 
Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. Now, I want to talk about something very important. How can you protect your laptop when you take it in to get it to get it serviced? Oh, yes. You know, that is actually a very, a very important thing. Because you heard about the recent case where, uh, where Hunter Biden, uh, Joe Biden's son, took a laptop in with all their family business oh. to, a, to a repair shop. I've heard all about it. Some people he heard never, nothing about it. And then he never it. picked it up. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and, and the terms of service at the repair shop was after 90 days, uh, any electronics becomes theirs if you don't pick it up. Mm-hmm. So the guy went through the laptop and he found all these emails that exposed... All of the dealings of Joe Biden and the family it, with China and with other countries. Is that a, is that a legal <laughs> policy, though? I mean, uh, if, if something's left at a store, I mean, can, can that be disputed in court? Do you think? So when you leave it there, you sign it. Mm-hmm. That, that document that you sign when you leave it there, it's authorizing con- the work, has that clause in it. Considered a contract, then. Yeah, it's a contract, and if mm-hmm. you don't pick it up, because they might do work on your laptop, cost some money, and you don't pick it up. How are they going to get paid? They have Makes to, sense. You know, they have to sell the sell the laptop. So that's very, very, very common. So now, <clears throat> so now there's a new word out there. If you take your <laughs> laptop to a repair shop and they look through all your private data, you've been huntered, uh-huh. as in Hunter Biden. Uh, Hunter Biden, yeah. <clears throat> so how can you keep your laptop from being huntered? First of all, you want to you want to make certain you got a strong password to log into it. <clears throat> you don't want you don't want to pick a password like um, you know you know President Trump's Twitter account was recently hacked. Did yes. you know that? <laughs> MAGA and, 2020, right? And his his password was MAGA 2020. And <laughs> four years ago, it was hacked, and his password was Make America Great. Okay, <laughs> somebody is going to have to help him. Uh, get better passwords on Twitter. I think that so person is you. So do not consult with President Trump for your password. Replace the make A's some, with the with the at symbol. Yeah, make 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 a strong password so people can't just get into it. Now the second thing that you may want to do, because you see, even if people, even if they can't log into your operating system, they can boot up externally and they can look at the hard drive. So they could look at the data on your hard drive, even though they, they, they couldn't boot up in the operating system and get it through the password. So you want to actually enable disk encryption on your hard drive. Now, that's not very complicated. Both Mac, Macintosh, and Windows systems make it very easy to encrypt the disk. That way, if somebody boots up from another device and goes in to look at your hard drive, they can't see anything unless they can log into the operating system. So, But here's the problem. Most... Repair shops won't take a repair job on a computer unless you give them all the passwords. Right, because exactly. They, they want to check whether the repairs have actually worked on your computer. Yep. 
So <clears throat> if you are really paranoid, uh, you could simply say you want to be there while they're working on your laptop. And then uh, you'll just be there in the shop. And then if they need to log on to check something, you'll log on for them. That would be the way to do it. And then if you take these precautions, you won't be by uh, huntered. I mean, there were cases where um, on iPhones where where girls would take their iPhones in and they would have a lot of private photos in there, and they would discover that those photos had been swiped by uh, by uh, Apple technicians at mm. the at the Apple store. Mm. So you know, th this is a problem, and I think you have to be careful so you aren't huntered when you take in your. <laughs> I like that. I like that new that new name. Now, now let's say, how does um, Twitter make its money? Yes. I, you know, I was curious about that, so I, I sort of did a little research on it. Now, Twitter, because it's so uh, relevant to our today's society, it's got a great valuation, $12 billion. But it's not making much money. Now, it does make all of its money by selling advertisements. They call them promoted posts or promoted stories, and they show up in the user's feed. Yeah. So that accounts for 89% of the company's revenue. Now, their overall ad revenue was $2.25 billion dollars. And $2.25 billion was 89% of the company's top line. They made a total of around $2.5 billion. Then what the other 11% of it is, they sell your data. Uh-huh. All your private data, they sell it to people so that others can give you ads based on your data. So they basically have the same model as Facebook. You know, Facebook has ads, and they also sell your data. But Facebook is a lot more successful and their valuation is like going through the roof because a Facebook has 2 billion users and Twitter only has 328 users. In addition, Facebook has a lot more activity with their users. Users get hooked on there with their likes. And so there's a lot more opportunity for Facebook to, to deliver ads to their users. So Facebook is making a lot more revenue than Twitter and Facebook user count is going up every year and the Twitter user count is flat. In fact, the investors aren't happy with Dorsey yet again. There's an activist group trying to oust him as CEO That's because they think they, you know, they think he's spending, you know, too much time in ice baths and walking with models and, and dating models and and not enough time building the building the revenue stream because building revenue on Twitter is apparently just not a high priority for him. But well, but they are making two and a half billion dollars, which is not not too shabby. Well, when you said permanent CEO earlier, I thought there's no such thing as permanent. No, there? there's, there is no permanent. Yeah, that is correctly true. Okay. Let's talk about an iPhone, whether it's worth upgrading your, to an iPhone 12. I got hoodwinked oh. into this. I'll have oh, you, you know, did? my, my daughter now has a 12. Well, it's, uh, you know, first of all, it came out with 5g. Uh, so is 5g really worth it? Well, <clears throat> It says 5G can offer 4 gigabit per second, da enormous download speeds in ideal conditions. But that means you're talking millimeter waves. See, what it is, 5G has high frequency, mid frequency, and low frequency. The low frequency are the millimeter waves. And so what it is, they've just added more and more bandwidth uh, available in order to get uh, uh, higher data throughputs. Turns out millimeter wave technology is very short range. So you've got to be in a dense urban area before it's worth the investment to put in millimeter range, millimeter wave uh, transmitters. So you probably aren't going to get super high download speeds unless you are in a dense urban area. Mm -hmm. And most of the area is just going to be covered by, by the mid-range 
and the high frequency, the mid-range will give you a little bit more than 4G, but not much more. So actually, in, for most of the country, 5G is going to be about like 4G. And it's going to be a while before we see that change much more. So I would say uh, it's just not worth upgrading for 5G. Now, the second thing that the phone has, which will eventually be a value, but we don't know the apps for it yet, they have LiDAR. They have LiDAR on the, on the rear-facing sensor. Now, LiDAR is, is, uh, is basically, um, it stands for light detection and ranging. It's like radar, but it uses lights. It sends out a, a, a whole bunch of pulses, and it waits for the reflection, the reflected pulse to come back. And by, by measuring the transit time, it can basically map the, uh, map the world out in front of the uh, LiDAR. And so this is basically very good for virtual reality. And it, it can be used to make better, uh, you know, better photos because they can have they they can have better uh, better ranging. They can have faster focusing. So and it's and it's really Apple has a has a variation of it with their true depth face ID camera. But that that depth the detector only works for a, a few feet away. Now lidar is used all over the place. It's used for self driving cars, driver assisted. It's used for robotics, for drones. Augmented reality headsets like HoloLens have similar technology to, to map out a room before they actually layer 3D on top of it. So LiDAR is going to be really a great tool for, for augmented reality, but uh -huh. we don't really have the applications there yet. So I don't think it's worth buying the iPhone 12 now the, uh, yet. Yeah. But the next, it's always the next iPhone to be better. Now, yeah. I, I would say I always tend to have one phone behind yeah. the latest phone. And, I'm at and least so, there. So as soon as the iPhone 12 was released, that's the time to buy the iPhone 11 because go. the price dropped. So the uh, the LiDAR, I guess your phone will be able to drive your car then. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to uh, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's only a five meter range. Yeah. So my daughter <laughs> dropped her phone and she always acts up when her iPhone is going bad. It's having a degenerative, degenerative disease. It's not like it just dies. She says, "I think my phone's dying." So I, I got roped into a twelve. I hope she likes and it, it. And you know, and and she always and she always drops it about the time a new model comes out. That's right. How did you know that? <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's the deal. Yep. Well, the iPhone eleven is probably a very good deal right now. Yes, I would think. but I she got the 12. Listen, we, we, we loved it, you to send us those emails. It really makes the show. You can email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you, you know, a, a, as soon as we can. And I want you to go to www.stratford.edu. Check out all of our programs there in IT and business and health science and hospitality, and tell them that you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.